Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to The Other 99, a podcast to equip the church for community, discipleship, and mission. Uh, we're your hosts. My name is Guy Wimberly. I'm Bethany McFarland. And I'm David Godbold. All right, y'all. Welcome to another episode of The Other 99. Guy and Bethany are not with me today because I'm actually on location today at Edward Street Fellowship Center, is that right, here in Hattiesburg with... Anne McCullen. I don't even know what your official title is here, but uh, I think it's like head honcho. Yeah, that um, would work. The yeah. one in charge. <laughs> the one who, when nobody else wants to do it, find <laughs> Anne. Yeah. That's not us. Yeah. You're wearing a name tag, but yeah. it's, not, it's not on there. Right. Um, but, so Anne, uh, tell us a little bit about who you are and uh, Edward Street and what Edward Street does. Sure. Okay. Um, I've been at Edward Street since um, 2013 as executive director. That's the, the real title. <laughs> and, um, we have lots of different ministries. Edward Street has been around since 1979. We're a ministry of the United Methodist Church. And today what we look like is a food pantry, a thrift store, a free medical clinic, community gardens, um, a Bible study for senior adult ladies, a walking program, outdoor area, Boy Scout troop, lots of different things. But really the big three are the food pantry, thrift store, and medical clinic. I really didn't realize that y'all had so much going on. I knew that y'all had the, the thrift store and the food pantry, right. and I knew that y'all had just opened up this eye clinic. But um, it's a question that I, yes. didn't, that I didn't have on the list for right. you. Uh how do y'all go about identifying needs? Because you look like sounds like y'all have a lot of stuff going on um, that are all good and targeted things. How do y'all identify what needs to be done? What what y'all aren't doing now that y'all need to be doing? Well, one of the things that because I haven't been around here since 1979, <laughs> um, I can be proud of the people who were here before me and the fact that they don't get stuck into this mold. I think a lot of, whether it's a church ministry or like us, a community center, um, a lot of, of agencies and groups just get in this mindset of this is what we do. We can't change mm-hmm. and too bad that the world has changed. <laughs> they need to stay back in the seventies with us or whatever. Right, right. But um, Edward street has always really evolved and responded to what the needs of the community are. So way back when this ministry was starting, they used a group from back then it was William Carey college. Now it's William Carey university. Mm-hmm. But there was a graduate class that went around and surveyed people who lived in this neighborhood of Edward Street in southeast Hattiesburg and said, what can we do for you? You know, what services do you or your family need? And back then it started out that people said, well, I can't, I lose money if I go to work. I can't afford childcare and my 
the jobs I'm qualified for pay so little. Um, so I may as well just stay home. And another need, if they had children, was that their children were struggling in school. Mm-hmm. So when Edward Street started 38 years ago, it was an um, after-school tutoring program and then a child care center that had a lot of scholarships and was really lower cost than some of the others out there right. because it was supplemented with donations from Methodist and others in the community. Um, through the years, that's evolved a lot. Now, the child care center is actually housed in Court Street United Methodist Church, and it is self-sustaining. It does its own thing. Um, and our tutoring, rather than, you know, if a kid doesn't like school, the idea of torture would be then go after school and have a bunch of retired (laughs) teachers try to make you do schoolwork for another two Mm -hmm. hours. So now we go into our local school. We recruit volunteers, mostly retirees, and they go in and actually work in the back of the classroom with the teacher present. That way they understand what the lesson is. Um, If there are questions, the teacher is right there ready. So we we continue to change, but we continue to use surveys, interestingly enough. When we had the idea of starting the free medical clinic, we just sat in the lobby of our food pantry with a questionnaire that asked things like, when's the last time you saw a doctor? Where did you see a doctor? Was it at the ER, the VA hospital, um, an after-hours clinic? a sliding scale clinic, you know, um, do you know the health conditions of your family members, that kind of thing. Um, but we have found, I don't know if you're familiar with the book when helping hurts, Yes. but one of the things that it talks about, it's a great book, whether you're doing ministry in your backyard or ministry around the world, it's, I, I have seen in the, mm-hmm. The ideas in there proven true over and over again. But um, one of the things it talks about is you as a provider of services may have a really great idea, but if those whom you're trying to serve don't see a need for that service, mm-hmm. they're not going to participate in it. Right. So one of the first things that we try to do is identify what our community thinks they need and then can we live into that? How can we make that happen and do it in a way that's truly going to be beneficial to them and take them to a better place? Mm-hmm. Um, the things that are important to us are respect, dignity, showing the love of God in everything that we do, but taking people to a better place than they are today, whether that's a higher education level, better health, better nutrition, whatever that is. So surveys are still a really big thing for us to do. Now, the population we serve is very impoverished, um, for the most part, low educa- um, you know, lower education levels. So we can't hand them a survey. We can't ask them to do an online right. survey. You have to think of who you're working mm-hmm. with. So um, our food pantry serves 1,200 households every month, which means many thousands of people come through here. They can come once a month. So we see many thousands of people in the eight days that we're open every month um, for food pantry services. So we have people who are sitting right there Mm -hmm. that usually are our target audience. But what we never want to do is make anybody feel like okay, if I don't participate in this survey, are they not going to give me food? We never want anybody to think that what we're asking of them is a condition for our services. So our volunteers or staff members 
who are asking questions, everything's couched very carefully so that there's an understanding, hey, if you don't want to participate in that, that's cool. We're not going to hold it against you. There's no black mark on your (laughs) food pantry card, you know. Going back to um, talking about, uh, well, talking about you. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, How did you, how did you end up where you are now as the, what, the executive director director of Edward Street Fellowship? That's a total God thing for sure. I have the most random, if you looked at my resume, you would be like, what in the world? How, you know, how have you had this many different types of careers? But I remember in high school, they did one of those assessments trying to tell you what to be when you grow up you know it has some long name an official name I don't know which one it was but my friends were like "Ooh, I need to be a lawyer or I need to be a teacher (laughs) and I was in this dot in the middle of the graph and it was like the one percent that would be happy doing anything (laughs) and I was like you got to be kidding me I know give me some direction here so I've lived into that I've done a little bit of everything (laughs) Um, I have been a retail buyer for clothing chains and for home furnishing kind of things. Um, I've been done purchasing for hospitals. I have done importing of items from other countries into the U.S. I've been a bridal consultant. Um, I was the children's ministry director at my church just prior to coming here. I was a church office administrator for 10 years doing payroll and bookkeeping. I also did that in the private sector doing accounting type stuff. And I used to think, God, what is it you want me to do? And for this season in my life, Edward Street is exactly where he wants me. Um, And I use all of those tools because we have a clinic. So my hospital background comes in. My retail comes in with the thrift store. Finances in a nonprofit, if your finances aren't in order, you may as well go ahead and lock the door. Um, Doing children's ministry. I learned about working with volunteers and being dependent on volunteers for the success of the program that you're working with. And then working in a church for 10 years, I made all sorts of connections in the United Methodist Connection in the greater Hattiesburg area. And so all that, it's like God saying, see, I told you, you didn't know where the road was going, but it was going right here to Edward Street. That's awesome. So you talked about how God like basically led you blind he wasn't leading you blindly you were blind (laughs) uh through the most insane trail uh to hear uh what are some stories of how you've seen god at work through your work here once you've gotten to edward street well we could narrow that down to just today (laughs) or (laughs) since i've been here um highlights yeah yeah either or um one of the things that when I got here, and I've, I've heard before, like, when you move into a new house, you should make a list of all the things you want to do, whether it's paint the bedroom or put new shutters on the outside or whatever, because after you've lived somewhere a little while, you really get blind to it. Mm-hmm. And so when I came to Edward Street, I'd, I'd been a volunteer here. I was serving on the board of directors. I was new on the board of directors before they hired me. Um, I had lots of experience in and out with Edward Street. So I wasn't blind to what things looked like here, but the first thing that happened when I came down here was realizing just some of the basic operation things, like we didn't even have a phone system where you could put people on hold. And this building that we're sitting in for the interview, our food pantry and office building is 4,800 square feet. You could spend a significant amount of time trying to find somebody to hand them that 
cordless phone. Um, there wasn't a sign out front. So you try to get all these volunteers. A lot of them are college students who don't know their way around Hattiesburg. Mm-hmm they don't even know if they're in the right place you know um so a lot of things like our vans didn't have our name on them um our thrift store didn't have our i didn't have a street sign and the employees over there didn't have name tags so a lot of the early time that i was here was really getting immersed in more administrative things which aren't very glamorous and um don't give you all the feel goods and everything um but it's vital to ministry and so i think whether we're looking at our own church or anything that we're involved in we really need to look at it first as an outsider so that you know we need to have a little bit of a business mindset and I think in the nonprofit and the church world sometimes we don't we're so used to taking all the hand-me-downs and making do with what we have and we do need to be good stewards but we also um, have an obligation to those who are being served to to offer a quality service um, so since getting through some of that stuff um, I've loved seeing God work really through the volunteers and the staff here. Many of our staff members are also our clients. They qualify for our services here. And so to sit down and hear their stories and to understand that so many times I think those of us who aren't really in the world of poverty, um, it's easy to think, why don't they get a job? Why don't they get a better job? Whatever. And, And when you start talking to people that truly have never gotten their families never been out of the cycle of poverty um you understand what an uphill battle it is so for example um we like to do direct deposit for paychecks that's something you know that we started because it's a lot more efficient for us Mm -hmm. and a lot of our folks are part-time that way they get their money right away well a lot of them are scared of banks they've never been to a bank they don't understand a bank they use those payday cash check cashing places which charge a ridiculous about should be illegal amount of money to cash checks um so a lot of a lot of what we now do here is education for our clients our staff everybody when the affordable care act came into play and people got insurance for the first time for anyone in their family anybody they know to ever have insurance Um, that was about the time we were starting our free clinic and one of the services we partner with the catholic church in providing free prescription medicine so one of our employees we had helped him get signed up for affordable care act insurance and it started january 1st of 2015 so this was february of 15 he came because he was very typical of our patients where they can't afford all of their medicine so they this month they would take their blood pressure medicine next month they would get their um depression medicine filled next month the cholesterol medicine so they're really doing themselves more harm than good but they can't afford to have it all filled at once so he shows up so that we can help him get his prescriptions filled and the first thing we say is can we see any insurance cards you have flip his brand new still very shiny insurance card over it had a drug plan he didn't he didn't understand anything about insurance yeah so he didn't know that all of january and february he could have been getting all the medicine he needed through this insurance he was paying for Um, so a lot of how God is using us down here now it is relational it is getting to know people but it's 
not just hearing a sad story and saying, oh, let me put a Band-Aid on that and hand you some money or pay your power bill. It's like, let's sit, sit down together and understand what services are out there, how you can access them on your own, and you can get the help that's already out there. We never want to reinvent the wheel down here. We are real big on connecting you with what's already out there. Access to services is what we call it. <laughs> but, you know, we can't be all things to all people, and there are great programs out there, so we really try to connect people. Um, as far as, like, great stories, you know, things that we've heard um, in the in the clinic or the food pantry, our goal is to get you where we're only seeing you if you want to come down here and say hello to us or if you want to volunteer with us. We want to get you to that better place. Um, one of our very first people to access services for our medical clinic is a church custodian. She has lupus, and she had um, – when we met her, she was wearing a scarf on her head because her hair had already come out. And lupus is an autoimmune disease. I didn't know a lot about it. Um, she also has high blood pressure and needed a lot of dental work. Um, she had a good job at a church, not full-time, which is typical for lots and lots of employers out there now. Um, but her scalp hurt. She was actually in pain because of the lupus and the loss of hair. It was a deal going up going on on her scalp but the medicine that was prescribed for that was six hundred dollars for one little tube of ointment now she worked she had a car that she shared with somebody else like a ride share kind of thing mm -hmm. but she was able to make it but there were some things that were considered luxuries you know and that was definitely one of them so she came to us we filled that one prescription she didn't know about the food pantry. We got her started with that. She had tried to get the Affordable Care Act insurance, the marketplace insurance. I don't know how many people have tried, you know, mm -hmm. that may listen to this, have tried to get that. But I say it's kind of like trying to fill out your own tax forms if you don't know anything about money and taxes. It's really difficult. <laughs> yeah, most people do. So, yes. Um, so she had tried to do it, but the answer she was coming up with doing the online deal was a, a premium amount that she could never have afforded. Well, there are services out there, you know, non, a nonprofit organization in our area, um, the Mississippi Health Access Collaborative. It's grant funded. The people get no money whether or not they sign you up or whichever policy they sign you up for. They sat down with her, got her a policy she could afford. So after a few months of being in our services, she didn't need them anymore because she had insurance she could afford. The insurance was paying for her prescriptions because she wasn't paying out of pocket for this stuff for a sliding scale doctor visit and trying to pay for prescriptions out of her custodian paycheck. She didn't need our food pantry anymore. That's where we want to be. We want to help you. These services are already out there, so we want to help you get to that place. Um, for the people who come to our clinic and have a chronic condition of diabetes and or high blood pressure, um, we have social workers and we work with the Lucky Day Scholar students from Southern Miss. They'll come out and they'll walk on our walking trail with you, talk to you about the importance of exercise. We have nursing students come out and tell you about a healthy diet, things like that. Um, and then our food pantry, you know, it's definitely a Band-Aid, but Jesus said the poor would always be with us. We want to make sure that all God's people are cared for. Um, 
and their their pets too. We also have a pet food bank. So if you can't afford your human food, you probably can't afford your pet food. So all of that goes into it together. That's fantastic. Something that I, I really like about how Edward Street's set up, and you've alluded to it a number of times kind of in the periphery of uh, answering these questions, uh, is how Edward Street is a Methodist-backed, I guess, uh, ministry, but in the process of answering these questions, you've referenced working with William Carey, which is a Baptist college, Mm -hmm. and working with the Catholics. Mm -hmm. Um, And so denomination lines clearly are not an issue here. And we've talked on the podcast before about the importance of unity throughout the entire church. Mm -hmm. That doesn't just mean people you are in the same building with on Sunday. Um, And that sometimes, while, while there are good good aspects to denominations the fact that it a lot of times divides us is not one of those good things Uh, how have y'all gone about building these relationships across denominations um that seems to be kind of hard for for some some groups to to be able to do what's what's the advice how have y'all come to that point well i think that a lot of it is um, you know, there is no denying that we are a Methodist agency. There is a 12-foot Methodist <laughs> cross and flame on the front of our building. It may be bigger than that. And it's on our signage. It's on our vans, all of that. By no means do we downplay our Methodism. But at the same time, we just don't portray out in the community that only Methodists are welcome to volunteer here. Mm-hmm. Um, when we opened the medical clinic, it was a very intentional choice to call it the Fellowship Health Clinic because we don't want it to be so recognized. We don't want people to feel like it's just a Methodist thing mm-hmm. and they can't participate if they're from another denomination. Um, the steering committee on that had a Catholic priest, um, a pastor of a huge non-denominational church. We had representatives from William Carey, which is a Baptist school. Um, we just, a lot of the physicians and people on there were from other denominations. And even like our ladies' Bible study that meets every Wednesday, the senior adult ladies, um, the people who provide the meals for that are not all Methodist. And we have a Muslim lady who participates in that and lots of Baptists mm-hmm. who participate. But I think a lot of it is just when we are out in the community, whether it's at the Pine Belt Homelessness Coalition monthly meeting or the Nonprofit Network monthly meeting or at the United Way meetings, any of that kind of stuff, we're just talking about what our needs are the people we're trying to serve, how we're trying to get the word out on what's being offered or, you know, whatever's going on down here. Um, We certainly pray a lot. We have Bibles everywhere, Bible verses, but it's never a condition to receive services Mm -hmm. to have to um, sit through a church service or anything like that. All of our food pantry bags have a devotional book in them, Um, lots of Bible verses, a lot of times different school groups and Um, clubs, Sunday school classes, all that, will decorate our food bags to try to brighten it up because it's pretty depressing when you depend on a food pantry for your food, for your family. So we 
hand out the brown grocery bags to groups and they'll do rainbows and butterflies and you matter to God and lots of Bible verses. But wherever we go, we talk about the dignity and worth of each person who comes in here. And there's there's no denying that we are Christian and that we're United Methodist, but we don't start every conversation with that. Um, my feeling is if you can't see Jesus in how we're treating you and through our actions, then what I'm telling you is probably going to fall on deaf ears. Um you know, there are lots of things we would love more of. We would love more Christian presence in things like it would be great when the food pantry's going on to have somebody playing our piano and singing mm-hmm. some hymns and letting the food pantry clients who are waiting their turn to pick up their food to sing along. Mm-hmm. You know, that would just be fun, whether it's or the piano we have out there or somebody bring a guitar. We've had it a few times, but, um, you know, we would love to have more folks who sit in the lobby and pray with you um just to you know i'd love to have a prayer room we're so tight on space we also would like a room for another file cabinet too you know i mean you can dream about anything but um but i think just making people feel welcome and not constantly talking about our denomination maybe makes things just feel a little more open Mm -hmm. so a lot of times when we talk about especially food pantries, um, the ways that, that get kind of the, the big recognition of how, how can we help is come volunteer. It's probably a pretty big one. Huh? Oh, huge. Um, yes. Food, uh, food drives, can yes. drives. I had three in my mind a second ago. Uh-huh. I can only remember two. Money's always a good Money. one. Yeah. That was probably <laughs> the other one. Are there any other ways to help that maybe don't get as much recognition? Um, that, that if, if like you're real tight for time, um, or maybe your, your paycheck's a little low, but you still want to contribute, how, how can we contribute? Well, um, we have a lot of ways that people can even take helping us back to their church or back to Mm -hmm. their group. That's important to us. You know, when you're in the trenches, I guess Mm -hmm. you would say, you know, the people who are down here every day, you can be really weary and you understand that youth group that can only come down here on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night, but our folks are really tired. And so that's hard on us. So we've worked hard to come up with ways that are truly of benefit to us, but also let people kind of get their hands dirty Mm -hmm. on some ministry. Um, So a few things we do, like I said, the grocery bags, we provide the grocery bags because they're a certain size Mm -hmm. and thickness and everything. But we love for people to take those back to their church or back to their sorority or fraternity or wherever, color them, put positive messages on them. And you can do that whether you're three years old or 83 years old you know um we have a lot of special needs um counterparts who come here or take that stuff there um also we buy our rice and beans in 50 pound bags because it's so much less expensive and we provide that we if you'll send your church van down or bring come down in your pickup truck and get 3,000 pounds of rice. We'll give you the Ziploc bags. <laughs> we pay for it all. We just need the hands to bag it. That's we cool. give you the little food safe gloves and hair nets and everything. Mm-hmm. It's a great, it's a win-win. You know, you're doing something for us, but our folks aren't staying, having, having to come down here on the weekend. Right. And I think for lay people, 
I get it. I, I've been that lay person that was so eager after I'd worked Monday through Friday to give back. But it's also really kind of the organizer of that event when they understand we say man I really want to be with my family mm-hmm. Saturday can we look at another time mm-hmm. because we could be down here seven days a week and you can get burned out you know and sure. and I know that it's the same way with clergy um and people say well that's your job <laughs> it is your job but it's also your job to get some rest and to be with your family Sabbath and that kind of thing. Still a thing. <laughs> it is. It is. And we don't have another day that we can really shut down, you know, during the week because of deliveries and all that stuff. So so people um, helping us think of how you can do ministry off site that helps us. Food drives are excellent. That's a great thing you can do on Saturday or Sunday. And then just bring the food to us Monday. Or I might come meet you on Saturday if you're bringing us a few hundred pounds of food, you know. Uh, but it's it's just, you know, really do unto others. Think think about what it is like for the people at the nonprofit and that they may be really weary and they probably don't make as much money as you do. <laughs> Possibly. Absolutely. Um, I think that is a good a good place to, to end uh, at the end of every episode, we end with a recommendation. We call it the recommendation station um, because it was cheesy at the beginning, <laughs> it rhymed, uh, and then we got attached to it. And by we, I mean I, Guy and Bethany aren't near as excited as <laughs> I am. Um, so typically at this point, we just recommend literally anything. I'm afraid, I have one that I wanted to recommend today, but I'm afraid you're going to take it. So I'm trying to think of another (laughs) one. Um, So do you have anything, any resource, book, uh, movie, app, anything, uh, podcast, anything? Yeah. um, Or activity. Well, I mean, when you you say movie, I just recently, I'd read the book earlier, but just um, saw the movie, same kind of different as me not long ago and that's a great example of not just um handing things down to people but becoming part of their lives Mm -hmm. Um, a big caution for folks is not to try to fix everything for somebody you meet this person you hear their story you know you can help it's not always helpful helpful for you to go in and buy new wardrobes for everybody in the family and pay all of their bills and all that you can do some of that but then you really don't have a one-on-one relationship Mm -hmm. with them anymore you've become their sugar mama sugar daddy (laughs) and even though they don't that's not said there's a tension there um that you you are now um you're in a role of authority. You have something that they need. So a lot of times it's better to walk beside them and say, I don't know, let's figure out how people sign up for food stamps and you drive them around. Transportation may be a problem, but you help them figure out how to navigate what's already out there. And then your eyes are opened. And the next time you want to help somebody, you know that as well. Um, But I really think being a friend a lot of times um think about your your circle of friends that you might have hamburgers with on friday night you don't go cut their grass and do all this stuff every week you know you don't Mm -hmm. wash their clothes and everything unless they've had surgery but you know think about being equals Mm -hmm. with folks and we all appreciate being treated as equals um you know a lot of people who are in poverty 
desperately want out, they just don't have the tools in their toolkit to know how to get out. But if you'll help them identify those tools, they are glad to climb out of that pit. That's what they want in life for themselves and their kids and their parents and everybody else. Absolutely. Uh, my recommendation, you didn't take it, uh, <laughs> but you did mention it earlier, uh, is the book When Helping Hurts. Uh, definitely. Typically, I, ha- I have internet pulled up in front of me uh, so I can like look up who wrote it. You might know. Um, I actually haven't read this book, but my wife has, and I've heard her talking about it. And so I think when she she worked here for a summer. Yeah, and she was reading it that summer. Mm -hmm. And she she read it that summer. Um, And so I know kind of the gist about it. Your your little summary earlier is probably better than any any that I could give. Uh, So go back and listen to that part of the interview. Um, But it's a... It's on my list to read, and from everything I've heard, it's a fantastic book. It is, and it really does. It's the only book I can think of that really does touch whether you're doing ministry right there in your own neighborhood or halfway across the Mm -hmm. world, because the principle is the same. And to see the case studies of what has happened over the years for churches that have gone into, say, a Central American country, and the evolution not just of the village or the the people group that they're helping, but the mindset of those providing the help is spot on. And when I worked for 10 years um, in a church office downtown, it was an urban church, and it was just becoming integrated at that time Mm -hmm. in the socioeconomic Uh, dynamics were really getting turned upside down for the congregation but it was a white flight thing their their core members were all leaving so if they wanted to keep the doors open they were going to have to open up to the neighborhood and they did Mm -hmm. they had an incredible pastor who was all about that but it was a painful process and the church members who had been there a long time learned a lot about not just doing handouts you can't sit in the pew next to somebody and truly be a brother or sister in Christ worshiping together teaching Sunday school together when that person you're sitting next to thinks that they have to suck up to you to have their power bill paid, you yeah. know. So it's a, yeah, it's a when helping hurts is a great book. Absolutely. The other thing that I in in honor of Bethany, um, uh, I was going to do a challenge as well, and that is there are food pantries and these type of ministries in just about every community. Um, find yours, whether it's supported by your denomination or not. Uh, find yours. Go volunteer and meet some people because. I feel like uh, we're a lot more willing to help when we know the names and stories of the people we're helping, and they're not just those people. Right. Um, yeah. They're 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 actually people, not yeah. just entities over there. Yeah, um, they're so. children of God. Absolutely, brothers yeah. and sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that, I believe we are at the end of the episode. So again, thank you for coming on. Yes. Um, ooh, I did not plan ahead. We always do a plea at the end, and yeah. I can't remember all of our social media handles. So you can reach us at uh, or on Twitter and Instagram at the other ninety nine pod. We have a Facebook group, the in, the other ninety nine podcast, and a Facebook community, the other ninety nine podcast community. Um, all these places you can get on and continue this conversation. Uh, you can also email us at the other ninety nine podcast dot at gmail dot com. 
I'm butchering this, guys. Sorry. Uh, the links are in the in the description. Um, but uh, if anybody wants to get in contact with you, continue conversations with you, how can they do so? Oh, we would love to hear from them. Our website is Edwards, and that is plural, edwardsstreetfellowship.org. And street not, is spelled out. I didn't put that in the email. I, I was <laughs> oh, no, that's Edward fine. Street that's fine. No, we're good. But it's edwardsstreetfellowship.org. And we have a Facebook page, same thing, Edwards Street Fellowship Center. Um, and if you want to find out just about the clinic, although you can link from the main website, the clinic website is fellowshipclinic.org. Fantastic. And we'll see y'all in two weeks. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.